It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, what's up? It is your Tuesday episode of Locked On Raptors. And on today's show, your Toronto Raptors have won six games in a row. They've won seven of eight against some very good competition in the Eastern Conference. And we are going to dig into all of it. We'll break down the win over the Hornets with our big takeaways. We will talk about what we've learned over the last I guess two weeks with these eight games. Maybe it feels like they've played them all in like a half a week. But either way, we will dig into the big takeaways from the last eight games. And we will hand out the due to the game as well. Danilo Gallinari, Miles Turner, deadline season is crazy. We are going to talk about the latest reports as well with Vivek Jacob from Raptors.com on today's episode of Locked on Raptors. Oh, because like, when I shot, I expected to make it. So like, I don't shoot trying to miss. You are Locked on Raptors, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. going on and welcome to episode number 1113 I think of Locked on Raptors for Tuesday February the 18th I'm your host Sean Woodley of RaptorsHQ.com you can find me on Twitter as always at Woodley Sean you can find the show at Locked on Raptors as well and you can find the podcast free and available on all your favorite podcast platforms you can subscribe to rate review follow etc on all the different audio apps and you can go to YouTube and subscribe on there it's a big red button it just says subscribe hit it and then you have officially supported the show in the very best way possible so thank you in advance for doing that and thank you as always for making us your first listen of the day today's episode is brought to you by bet online bet online has you covered this season with more props odds and lines than ever before bet online is where the game starts all right let's get into it shall we your toronto raptors have now won six in a row they are a half game up on the brooklyn nets for sixth in the eastern conference it's trade deadline week there's moving and shaking going on 
and joining me to talk about all of it and break down last night's game and look back at the last eight games where the Raptors have gone seven and one over what was, I think, deemed maybe the most important stretch of the season. It is Vivek Jacob from Raptors.com. Big V, Big Lavender, Olympic V. Uh, how's it going, pal? <laughs> it's good, man. It's good. Uh, just uh, enjoying the Raptors win streak. Uh, obviously, a lot of good things uh, happening on the court and hopefully it kicks things into gear for the trade deadline. Yeah, I, I'm, I am fighting, I, I should say, as the Olympics go on, I'm fighting the urge to turn this into a Scott Gow podcast, the biathlon king finishing fifth today in the 20 kilometers. Uh, we, we love biathlon here, a pro biathlon podcast on Locked On Raptors, but we'll save that for a bonus episode or something, but still, bloody impressive, highest ever finish in biathlon, the coolest and most difficult sport. Anyway, let's carry on, shall we? Uh, your Toronto Raptors take down the Charlotte Hornets last night, 116-101. They completely blitzed them to start the game. Third quarter got a little bit hairy as the Hornets uh, tried on defense for the first time on the night, and they got a little bit hot. They got a bit of a rhythm going and kind of disrupted, I think, the really great rhythm the Raptors had for most of this game. The Raptors got it back in the fourth quarter. OG Ananobi with some really, really big plays in crunch time to close this one out as well. It was sort of like a soft crunch time. It never really felt like the Hornets were going to beat them. And I should say our pal Doug Branson from Locked On Hornets texted me during the third quarter last night and said, this is a classic Hornets uh, pretend to come back and ultimately lose horribly. So they have taken on the mantle of fake comebacks. You love to see it. Uh, but for you, Big V, watching last night's game, what was your biggest takeaway from the Raptors' sixth win in a row? I think uh, my biggest takeaway is their compete level. Uh, you mm -hmm. noted the Hornets uh, needing a whole half to get to the point where it's like, oh, we got to try harder. And mm -hmm. I think that is something that stands out to me over the course of the win streak where the Raptors are going to come at you with – a certain level of compete and if you can't match that you are going to lose uh mm -hmm. I, I think nick nurse knows how to absolutely push his guys to the limit um not talking just about the minutes but you know i i do think there is something to the way uh you know he sort of pushes guys and says hey if you're not good enough to be out on the court you're not going to be out there and i think that sort of translates into okay when i'm out here on the court I have to give it absolutely everything I have. Uh, and mm -hmm. so holding them to that standard sort of translates. And yeah, uh, for opponents, you know, it, it's probably annoying that <laughs> regardless <laughs> of what the score is, the Raptors are going to play a certain way. But I think that's my biggest takeaway. Yeah, I, I mean, last night was the definition of a lazy middle-of-the-road regular season game. We always describe a weeknight game against the Hornets as the most average regular season game that can exist, and the Raptors did not treat it that way. They came out guns a-blazing. Their offense looked super, super crisp. And look, the Hornets really allowed them to find that crisp rhythm because the Hornets' defense is just a nightmare. They're like a, a, a roving collection of uh, various mismatches <laughs> to which the Raptors can kind of enforce their will. You know, Scotty Barnes is sizing up Mason Plumley and driving in on him and scoring over top. You've got Miles Bridges made looks made to look slow by Pascal Siakam and, and just like getting blown by the spin moves from Pascal. I think there was one. I think Pascal got called for, called for an offensive foul. Maybe he didn't. I, I'm having a hard time. Right? He did a lot last night in the middle of this Hornets defense, especially inside the zone. But like he just like spinning off Terry Rozier and sending him flying five feet as he goes up for a finish. Like I think they called him for a travel. 
That's right. That's right. But like the, watching dudes bounce off Siakam has become just a, a true delight because he is uh, as powerful as he is deft at Euro stepping around LaMelo Ball in traffic and leaving him standing there like a pylon. He's just he's doing everything right now. And honestly, that's my biggest takeaway from this game. You know, I, I think it's a well taken point from you on the effort side of things. But for me, Pascal Siakam continues to be the guy I'm thinking about after all of these Raptors games. 24, 11, and 8 last night, 10 of 16 shooting. He goes 2 of 4 from downtown. He's just playing with such control right now. And I really think that, you know, yesterday the All Star replacements were named. LaMelo Ball gets the pick, funnily enough, as he gets uh, <laughs> handed a big L by the Raptors and Pascal Siakam last night. I think it's fine. I think in this Eastern Conference season where everyone's good, it's very close. It makes sense that the top 10 teams all have one all-star, so I'm not terribly offended by LaMelo Ball getting in, but I do think there's a real possibility that we look at the end of the season and think, oh my God, it was really stupid that Pascal Siakam was not an all-star more than any of the other snubs because he is playing out of his gourd right now. He's essentially, since kind of getting back in the rhythm, he's basically a 23 six and nine guy like it's just it's crazy what he's doing and again the control he has like that game last night was maybe as in control as i've seen siakam of a game so far this year where you know he knows exactly what the hornets are doing defensively it's not like the hornets are doing anything elaborate defensively to the hornets but like he knows exactly where the help's coming from and he also like kind of got bully ballish a little bit too where you know sometimes he makes the right play when those extra defenders come and he's like all right i'm just gonna pass it off here and gary's gonna get a three or whatever but sometimes last night he was seeing that extra attention and just like all right i'll just go this way and blow by these fools and score like it was just like an all-encompassing wonderful effort from siakam who continues to play like not just like top 24 level in the NBA, the dude is probably right now playing at a top 15 level, maybe even better than that with the way he's controlling the game and has like, he's just pulling the strings throughout these games. He's just been fantastic, man. Did you have any thoughts on Siakam's 24, 11 and eight last night continues to be uh, just completely stymied by that elusive triple double because people keep fouling people on the tail end of his wonderful passes. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, hey, he's the East player of the week for a reason. And Oh, yeah. Forgot the- about that, too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and the reason is, you know, you saw in that game. It looks like he's off to a fine start in uh, maintaining a- uh, that award for this week as well. So mm-hmm. uh, I think uh, with Pascal, he's just in such a comfort zone. Like you said, making the reads and, you know, Louis Zatzman of Raptors Republic asked him about the spin move. And he was talking about how... Uh, you know, he, he's not even worried about what uh, the primary defender is going to do. He, that's not even a concern for him. It's, you know, mm-hmm. what's happening in that secondary line and where the help is coming from and making reads mm-hmm. off of that. Uh, one-on-one, I think he feels like he can take on anyone right now. And, you know, I, I think in terms of his confidence level, the ball getting poked out of his hands and him having to go get get it back in the backcourt and then he just runs up and drains a pull-up three. Oh my god <laughs> says, says all you need to know uh, about where his confidence is right now uh i think you're right i think he's absolutely at a top 15 level right now he's probably i mean if you're looking at forwards on the season mm-hmm. uh, specifically just this season outside of uh kevin durant and Giannis antetokounmpo um it, it's hard to say anyone's playing better than him at the forward position Mm -hmm. and i mean if you're looking at the all-star roster like i've kind of threw this out there as a hypothetical last night like 
on the East All-Star team, for example, like how many players on the East All-Star team would you take over Siakam right now if you're trying to build a team that's winning games? Obviously, KD, Embiid, Giannis, obviously those are those are clear. I think you can quibble, you know, there's Trey Young, Jason Tatum, et cetera. Like, you know, DeMar has been incredible too. I think I'd still probably take Siakam right now considering the defense as good as DeMar has been. Maybe that's a homer pick, but I don't think it is because I love DeMar as well. Um, you know, for you, <laughs> you know, Butler, you're probably taking ahead of him, but there's not many. Like, he's pretty clearly like maybe fourth or fifth or sixth at the worst on like the pecking order of Eastern Conference players right now. Yeah, I agree with you. And, you know, this is something I've been thinking about with regards to the All-Star and weighing that debate of, oh, you know, the teams should have some uh, sort of rep representation in terms of the winning teams. Um, mm -hmm. And then you weigh that against, you know, performance on the season. And I feel like part of why we have that debate is because the NBA has sort of uh, dipped their toes on both ends, right? And they're saying, okay, you know, we want the representation of East West, but we're also going to have team LeBron and team Durant. And, <laughs> you, you know, and it's like, guess what? If you just had LeBron and Durant uh, go full playground style, ignore the conferences and just pick guys, Siakam mm. is in the top, you know, was it 24 uh, to make yeah. the all-star game, right? He, yeah. he absolutely is there, right? So I almost feel like, you might be at a point now where you either have to expand the rosters to 15 each or because there is just that much talent in the league now. Um, yeah. Or you just lean one way or the other. You either go back to the East West and, mm -hmm. and then you can say, okay, yeah, there has to be uh, a level of representation. Um, or you just go all in on the playground stuff and just uh, wh whoever is the leading vote getter, uh, beyond that starting five, just go ahead and pick names. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I do like the idea of uh, the schoolyard picking. And, and you know, you would get some weird ones in there. Like KD would pick his weird friends like Grievous Vasquez to come out of retirement and play in the All-Star game or something <laughs> like that. That would be fantastic. I'm actually now rooting for this to be the new format. Either way, Pascal Siakam, really freaking good at basketball as it turns out and uh we didn't really learn that i guess over the last eight games he's basically been doing this for like three months now if you go back actually to november 19th is kind of the cutoff date i've been using for pascal this year is the day after that game against the jazz where he scores four points he follows it up with i think a 10 of 12 against the kings on that 19th game on the friday since then he's at 22 and a half nine boards 5.3 assists he's shooting 48 percent uh 48 and a half percent from the field 36.5% from deep. Like he's just been unbelievable for a pretty sustained period now. And I don't think it's going anywhere the way he's playing at this point. And you would think that if they can add some more help to the team, it could only get better for him as he's not playing 70,000 minutes a game. Although we're going long here, but a quick little thought. I do wonder if like now the minutes thing has gotten to the point where it's become almost an advantage where they're just like way better conditioned than everybody else. And it's kind of like Nick Nurse on his Herb Brooks and Miracle thing where it's like, he again, 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 you're going to be the best conditioned team there is. And they are. So congrats to the Raptors for Herb Brooks in it up. A uh, little Olympic hockey reference for you there. All right, let's continue on here. We're going to dig into what we learned from the last eight games about your Toronto Raptors. So they go seven and one on their run through the Hawks, Hornets, Bulls, and Heat. We'll get to that in just one second here. But first, I want to tell you about our friends over at TurboTax. Look, if you're like me and you have a weird sort of job situation, no one has normal jobs anymore. We live in the gig economy because late-stage capitalism is where we are. Either way, 
it is a difficult time when you come around to taxes and you're trying to figure out, all right, how am I going to get my full re refund? Am I actually doing this right? I have this strange circumstance. How do I even file my taxes? But TurboTax is here for people with unusual circumstances. And TurboTax Live experts are here to help you walk you through every single step of the process. They have live experts who can answer your tax questions, walk you through the whole process, or do your taxes for you from start to finish. They help you get every deduction you deserve, no matter your unique situation. And you can call a TurboTax live expert through your phone or computer leaving without leaving your house at all. Who wants to go to the bank to do their taxes anymore? I just go to my dad's house, but he has TurboTax, let me tell you, and he's very good at it uh, because TurboTax makes it easy for people to be good at doing their taxes. TurboTax live experts are here to help you however you need, and if you need an extra hand, hand your tax is off to them and they'll do it all for you. TurboTax live experts like thrive on interesting lives in strange circumstances. This is just their wheelhouse. So be sure to check them out. Visit TurboTax.com. You do your thing. They've got your taxes into it. TurboTax live. Wilson, you sent the game winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 455 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. All right, we continue on here in your first listen of the day with Vivek Jacob from Raptors.com. Taking a look back at a 7-1 stretch for the Raptors against the Hornets, the Hawks, the Hawks, the Heat, and the Bulls. Really, really good stuff, man. I, I'm blown away by going 7-1 and one and looking as good as they have throughout this stretch. You've got the signature win of the Triple OT win over the Heat, the follow-up win over the Heat as well. The Hawks win, I think, on Friday is probably one you really put a feather in your cap for as well, considering it was a fully healthy Hawks team with their deep and very, very robust rotation along with Trey Young, and they kind of handled them on Friday. What do you think is sort of the biggest thing that you learned over the last eight games here, Vivek, is now the Raptors go forward. There's like 30 games left in the season. They're gearing up for a stretch run. They're in sixth place in the East. Some good things are going on. What do you think we've learned over the last eight games? Uh, this team can be pretty damn good when they're healthy. And yep. I think that's the one thing we've been waiting on all season, whether it's, you know, Siakam being out with the shoulder injury and then OG being out with the hip pointer and then all the COVID stuff. And it's taken a long time uh, for this team to be able to get out of the starting gate. And here they are. Uh, yeah, no, I, I think they're a very good team. Um, they're a lot closer to actualizing that ceiling uh because uh you know at the start of the season if you asked me I, I would have said if everything goes perfectly right they're they might be a five or six seed but they're most mm -hmm. likely going to be in the play-in tournament and now <laughs> you, now now they're very much in the conversation for home court advantage in the playoffs so uh 
obviously it's going to be a really tough stretch uh, going forward because they're in the midst of, you know, 16 of 20 or 21 on the road. So, mm-hmm. uh, but hey, that's something they've gotten plenty used to last year. So, <laughs> uh, probably suits them just fine. Yep, that is for damn sure. I'm with you. I, I think my sort of view on the ceiling of this team has changed. I used to think, hey, they're probably a team that's going to, at the very best, be like an annoying, you know, five or six game out in the first round. And now I think, depending on matchup, like a second round advancement feels like it's on the table for sure. And like it could come against the team you don't really expect. Like if they played the Bulls right now, which is I think the team they're lined up to play, if the playoffs started today, which they don't, but they're the three six as it stands right now, the Bulls are really good. Don't get me wrong. And they, they Raptors played the Bulls without Lonzo Ball and Alex Caruso, which is obviously a huge dynamic missing for that team. But the way the Raptors you know, showed up for, for this entire run here and the way that they've really kind of coalesced here and gelled together. Like, I don't think any team's thrilled about playing them in the playoffs and the Bulls feel like, you know, if you're getting your first real test in playoff waters, I don't know if the Raptors, this like freaky ass team where they're flying at you from all angles is the team you want to do that against. And that could cause this cause them some problems. Not to mention there's the whole drama of like the Raptors versus DeMar in the playoffs thing, which I'm sure would get really, really odious really quick. But I mean, it, it, I now think like second round is totally viable for this team. The way the East is breaking and the way they are very clearly coming together with two guys who are playing at an all-star level, which not every team in the East can even boast. So very good stuff. As far as like player specific stuff, I'm curious if there's anything that stands out for you. I'll go first on mine. Like I, I think we've learned that OG Ananobi doesn't have to be on the ball to be a tremendous, tremendous impact player for this team. And I think they've kind of found the perfect role for him over the last little while here. Over the last eight games, OG is averaging 18 points a game, 6.8 boards, 3.6 assists, along with 1.8 steals and one block. He's shooting 43% from three, over 50% from the field. He's not being taxed with all this on-ball creation. He can do it in a pinch as uh, Miles Plumley learned, or Mason Plumley. It's Mason, right? Yeah, Mason Plumley last night learned late in the clock as OG had that huge step back over him as the Hornets were threatening. But, like, that's the sort of on-top garnish stuff to a really, really well-rounded sort of core game that OG is bringing every single night. His defense is back to being just world-breaking, you know, from guarding Trey Young on Friday, like, and just, like, totally swallowing him up in crunch time to last night, just becoming, like, an absolute wizard of picking off routine passes to corner shooters, just, like, appearing from the wing and, like, catching it like he's Calvin Johnson. That's become a pretty irregular occurrence I just feel like OG's really found his spot within the hierarchy of this team. And maybe it's disappointing for those who wanted to see him on the ball more often and be a real sort of, you know, point of attack creator, but they found other avenues for it, right? They're running him through the post quite a bit, which is where a lot of his assists are coming right now. And he's getting to use his hilarious strength to bully guys. I'm really liking the way OG's playing. And I think the last day games really crystallized his role. What say you on OG's sort of uh, last day games and where things have come together for him here? Yeah, I think he's in his best suited role. You know, I, I mm-hmm. think when Pascal was going through uh, his sort of downswing, people wanted to look for who who could potentially be that uh, number one guy. You know, mm-hmm. and I think that's where it was like, oh, OG makes shots late in the clock. OG <laughs> uh, shoots a good percentage from three. OG finishes well at the rim. Um, why not? And 
you know, the, I think he teased in preseason that he was working on some one-on-one moves and uh, getting better at shooting, uh, you, you know, off the dribble. And so you, you start to theorize uh, these things for OG, but I think this is really his best role with Siakam playing the way that he is with Fred playing the way that he is. Um, and, you know, being in that third guy, fourth guy role is something that's really tough to do. And, if he can do it as well as he is right now, I think that that's perfect for this team, right? Like you look at different teams and obviously I'm not saying the Raptors are a championship team, but mm-hmm. uh, you know, Chris Bosch needed a huge adjustment to being the third guy in Miami. Kevin Love needed a huge adjustment to being the third guy uh, in Cleveland. Uh, you look at Vucevic, it's taken a while for him to come around to being the third guy in Chicago. Mm-hmm. Um and again, not comparing them as players, just talking about the role specifically. Uh, it is a tough role to play because, you know, even Siakam talks about now one of the things he likes about being in that point forward role is it's easier for him to get in a rhythm because he's got the ball in his hands all the time. And right, when you're the right. third guy, you don't have the ball in your hands all the time. You don't have that leeway to find your rhythm. You kind of just got to have it, right? Mm-hmm. And so... That's that's the challenge for OG, and right now he's doing a really good job of it. Yeah, I just really like the way that they've kind of figured out, okay, these are like the three or four spots where you clearly have an advantage on the floor. We're going to get you the ball in those spots as many times as we can, and those will be sort of the times where you get to be the star of the show for a second, and they're all pretty effective because they're going to spots where it works. He's in the post. He's you know sealing out deep under the basket for those dunks. Like He's just been... Really, really all-encompassing, and again, the defense has just been ridiculous. And I think that is there's no, it's no small part because he doesn't have that much of an offensive burden on his shoulders that he can actually devote that attention to being uh, just a smothering force on that end. Uh, I guess no, another thing we maybe have learned or confirmed, I suppose, is that the Raptors starting five, uh, it's good. Uh, you know, there was, I guess, sort of like some noisy you know, data behind it from the early part of the season. The first time Siakam got back that first week was pretty rough and there were some bad numbers that they put up. But over the last eight games, only six of them did the lineup appear, but 130 minutes, by far the most used lineup. The next most used lineup in the last eight games for the Raptors has played 17 minutes, which is hilarious. Uh, But the starters, uh, they have gone with a 114.4 offensive rating, 105.3 defensive rating, a plus 6.1 net rating. Overall, they're getting hit on the boards pretty hard, but they're they're shooting the ball well. They're scoring really efficiently, and they look really, really damn good together. And it'd be kind of nice to add a little piece that you can kind of have some extra uh, sort of uh, fluidity and versatility to that look to add a second look that the Raptors can play more than 17 minutes over the course of eight games. Um, you know, do you have any sort of thoughts on what we've learned about the starters, anything in particular that pops out to you as like, a, oh, that that's a thing that I'm keeping an eye on with the way this lineup works. Um, I would go to how they're closing games too. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I think that's been a real strength uh, of this team. Uh, as of late, I wrote about it uh, at Raptors.com uh, yesterday. If you haven't had a chance to read it, go check it out. And uh, I was looking at the last three minutes of games uh, within five points and mm-hmm. The Raptors, uh, before December 28th, were outscored by about 15 points in about 30 minutes. Mm -hmm. And since then, they've played uh, 46 minutes and outscored teams by 26. Uh, So uh, a couple of things have really jumped up. 
the three point shooting was always there because you know you can think of Fred uh, making those big shots. Um, but the two point shooting in that first stretch was at twenty one percent. That's yeah. up to forty six percent. Um, and then the rebounding, they are closing out defensive possessions with the rebound. You know, you can think of all those games where they're getting all these stops and then not able to close it out with the rebound. Their uh, defensive rebound rate uh, in that initial stretch before December 28th was at 52% in the mm-hmm. final three minutes. Uh, and now it's up to 70%, which isn't great, but it's it's a long way improved from 52%. Yeah. Um, on the season overall, the rebounding percentage in crunch time is 54.2, still 64.1 defensive rebounding, but they have a 45.1 offensive rebounding rate in crunch time, which is a good way to clean up those bricks. Um, yeah, I mean, their, their crunch time, we've, we've talked about the numbers. They're up to 10th in the league right now. Uh, sorry, 9th in the league in overall net rating in crunch time. 119 minutes played in crunch time as well, which is the fifth most in the NBA. They're looking uh, really damn complete and awesome. And I got to say, quick shout out to Scotty Barnes for the way I think he's really helped with that rebounding in particular. Like he's been asked to do a lot as a center and is kind of learning the ropes. And yeah, he's going to lose position at times and he's not going to be that backline defender you want at all times. He was pretty rough, honestly, last night against the Hornets. But overall, I think the way he's kind of adapted to the center role and has really helped to sort of clean up the glass, I am uh, very, very pleased. And that's another thing we've kind of learned over the last eight games here. Um, We're going to continue on. We're going to hand out the due to the game and spin that into a conversation about some recent reporting regarding some trade deadline targets for your Toronto Raptors to close up the show. We'll get to that in just one second here. But first, I want to tell you about our friends over at Bet Online, who have you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before as football continues its march towards the big game this weekend. BetOnline.net remains the best spot for all your sports scores, podcasts, and news this season. And it's not just football. BetOnline has up-to-the-minute info on pro and college hoops, the NHL, boxing, UFC, MLB eventually, whenever they get their crap together, along with live real-time updates and uh, of current games. Don't wait. To take advantage of all the amazing new offers available for the 2022 season, Bet Online is where the game starts. Wilson, you sent the game winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 455 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grimly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. And we continue and round out your first list of the day here with Vivek Jacob from Raptors.com by handing out the award that everybody talks about. Everyone's texting, shooting me texts and DMs. Who's going to be the dude of the game on a given night? Uh, it's really just like two people who will often do this. But thank you to those two people. You know who you are. Uh, let's uh, dive in here to the dude of the game for the game against the Hornets. I have chosen today Chris Boucher, who last night came off the bench, played 19 minutes, 8.6 boards, two blocks of steel, 
and was on a night where the Raptors seemed to have a lot of energy across the board. That two days off on the weekend seemed very helpful. Boucher clearly just popped off the screen with his energy, just flying in from nowhere for offensive putbacks and just really, really sound on the defensive end. It's gotten to the point where like, he was the trade chip for the Raptors going into the deadline. I don't see a world in which he's moved at this point because I don't know how you're upgrading on what he's doing for you right now. Where else are you finding a maniac like him on the market? There's no one. <laughs> you need a maniac like him. And playing alongside another maniac, Precious Achua, they've been really damn effective. Imagine adding an extra piece to that bench. But thoughts on Boucher before we dive into some trade stuff. Uh, he was really, really effective once again last night, continuing a months-long trend at this point. Yeah, I will raise my hand up and say that I was wrong about Chris Boucher. Me too! Uh, <laughs> I, I, I honestly viewed him as someone who is an empty calorie guy. Uh, and so to see him uh, embrace making an impact outside of scoring and being so good at it uh, mm. is a testament to uh, him uh, and his development over the last you know few months and trying to figure it out from his struggles. And uh, I'm really impressed. I'm really impressed with everything that he's doing for the Raptors. And I think... Uh, you know, Maniac is right. You know, I think when you think about the identity of this team, uh, I tweeted last night that the Raptors have the right type of nasty. And yeah. he's one of those, he's become one of those guys that comes in and he is just getting after it. And mm -hmm. I love that he's bringing that to this team. Um, you know, Gary Trent Jr. has got a bit of that uh, in him. Fred Van Vliet obviously has some of that in him. Um, Pascal Siakam, you're seeing that. I mean, that block on Rozier. Uh, I know I know we're talking about Chris Boucher, but uh, I think those elements uh, that are making this team so tough to beat, Chris Boucher is certainly a part of that. Um, and yeah, I, I just tipped my hat to him because I was absolutely wrong. Yeah, well, here's the thing is like, I don't think people who were critical of Chris Boucher's play earlier in the season or in the past were necessarily wrong because he was playing like an empty calories player and the, the winning was not there when he was on the floor and he was putting up a lot of numbers in a season that was an entirely garbage time last year. And well, I'll say I didn't times, even yeah. think that he had this in him, right? So yeah, that's no, that's, that's where that's I was. That's the point is we weren't wrong at the time because he was not playing like a winning player you could have on the floor when it matters most, but he's completely changed the type of player that he is, which is a huge credit to him. He's completely overhauled. He's no longer, I used to call him, I think rightfully, just like a shooting guard in a big's body. That's really what he was. He's not that anymore. He's a dive man. He's an offensive glass mucker upper. He is like a, a rotational sort of force on defense as well. Like he has absolutely overhauled the identity of his game and it's made him into a guy who I feel pretty comfortable throwing in there at any time. Even if you have to close with him because Scotty Barnes is not having a great night or you got foul trouble or whatever, I'm comfortable with that now too, which is never something I would have said, but he's bringing what you want from bench guys, which is just reliability in what they're bringing every night. And he's doing that. You know exactly what you're getting from Chris Boucher every night. And the recipe is a delight to watch and behold. And I'm just so happy for the guy. Like He's playing himself into some money this offseason, whether it's with the Raptors or elsewhere, which is awesome for him. Really glad to see that. He's just been a delight. One of the, the biggest stories of this season has been his turnaround. And there you can't sell it too short. It has been absolutely game-changing for the Raptors. They're so thin. Any new player who can contribute has been a help and is just like a game-changer for them. And he's done that. So shout out to Chris Boucher. 
I don't think is going anywhere by the deadline this week. And that I think is something that we would not have said maybe a couple of weeks, a couple of months ago, but here we are. And so with that, let's spin into a quick conversation here about the trade deadline. Vivek uh, reports flying around again, always, always, always this week. Take everything you hear with all of the grains of salt, like some large Himalayan pink salts, uh, if you will, because look, man, all of these reports are from somewhere with an agenda, right? And so always keep that in mind. You never really know where things are coming from, but you certainly know that things are probably not coming from the Raptors at the very least because they are still trapped and do not leak. That being said, reporting from Jake Fisher this morning suggests the Raptors are still poking around about Miles Turner, kicking around a Goran Dragic plus a first-round pick cut type of package for Turner, which I think works pretty comfortably. Uh, I think it's even like kind of what the Raptors need, which is a little bit less money than Goran Dragic makes coming back, which would be very helpful. And obviously, Turner adding to the collection of large people on this team only further helps them sort of double down on their style of play. I, you know, I think there are questions about the fit as well, but he's out there. And then in addition, Danilo Gallinari is out there as a potential target, sort of fitting that wing shooting who's also large. You know, I, I think off the bench, Gallinari could be a really effective player for this team. He's not having an incredible season or anything like that, but he's not been bad. He's shooting quite well. He's got like a 59% true shooting this year with the Hawks. He's been just fine and would be a really nice piece for this Raptors team off the bench. So... Do either of those compel you? If Drogic plus a first is the package, are you comfortable with either of those guys? I think Turner probably the more valuable of the two, considering youth and upside, etc. But um, as far as the noise that's floating around right now surrounding that Drogic plus a first hypothetical package, what are you feeling as sort of the ideal direction for the Raptors to go? Or maybe the guy who you prefer has not even been mentioned here, and you can t- talk about that as well if you want to. <laughs> Uh, no, I, I think the Dragic plus a first conversation is interesting because uh, I don't know if it's good enough to get the guys that they want. Sure. Um, I don't know if that moves the needle for uh, enough for a Jakob Pertl or, or a Miles Turner. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, I think the thing that's interesting is for the, from the Raptors' perspective, it's like, hey, do you value... Uh, the the first round pick to yourself more because you know what you can do in the draft, uh, yeah. or or do you say, hey, the the first round pick isn't as valuable because we can probably find a way to get someone you know undrafted or in the second <laughs> round. Yeah, so I I think that's an interesting one uh, for the Raptors to debate. Uh, I do think the Gallinari uh, trade makes a lot of sense on both sides. Uh, yeah seems like the Hawks would look to get off that money. Like I was struggling to see, you know, why the Hawks would give up Bogdanovich. Uh, but I can absolutely see it for Gallinari, uh, mm-hmm. who hasn't made much of an impact this season. So I think that's one that makes sense. And then with the big men, it's going to be interesting to see what plays out. But um, I will say I am expecting more than one deal for the Raptors. Ooh, uh, okay. So... Uh, it'll be interesting to see how that all plays out. Yeah, I mean, I I think I'm, I I can't, was it you that threw this deal out? I can't remember who who tossed this one out, but like the the magic deal with like Ross and Bamba for Dragic in a first round pick or something like that as a way, I think it might have been Eric Kareen actually pointing out that you're probably not getting if you're the magic and actually Jake Fisher reported this, that the magic are looking at two seconds perhaps for Terrence Ross. If you can maybe package Ross and Bamba together, 
for a first rounder. A, a, I don't know if that moves the needle for the Raptors at this point. Like, you know, take your leave it, I guess, with Mo Bamba. It's probably not someone you're trusting super uh, intensely going into a playoff series or anything like that. So maybe it's not the move they want to make right now. But like a move where they get in one fell swoop, a wing shooter and an extra big, like a starting caliber big, I think is probably like the dream scenario. I don't know if that magic one is actually the dream scenario as much as Terrence Ross and the Raptors would make me happy. Um, but like, I, I like the idea of maybe they do a couple of things on the margins, right? Like they go and maybe make that big swing with Drogic in the first, get a Gallo or a Miles Turner, and then maybe use a lesser, uh, you know, draft pick or something in the future to find like an extra depth piece at the position they didn't fill. I mean, I, I think it's pretty clear. Like the, the wing shooting to me is still the biggest need. And so I have a little, I'm a little bit dubious of the fit with Turner. I, I would assume that Turner probably like gets dropped in the starting lineup and you move Barnes to the bench and you have his playmaking off the bench and his extra weirdness off the bench to pair with all the weird dudes they're already bringing off the bench. Uh, maybe that's the way you go. I, I just feel like the geometry of the floor gets a little tricky if you're just going only bigs and you got to have some shooting out there. We've seen how valuable Gary Trent Jr. is. And so I'm pretty compelled by this Gallinari thing. Even if he's not like an incredible defender who fits into the Raptors' scheme necessarily, I wouldn't say Gary Trent Jr. is that either. He's been really good and he's super effective at hunting steals and whatnot, but it's not like he's some six foot eight roaming wing who's out there blocking shots in the corners or anything like that. He's a different kind of guy in the Raptors' defense. And I think the shooting of a guy like Gallo or someone of that ilk is probably worth the defensive trade off because that offense sometimes gets sticky. You saw it last night in the third quarter against the Haw the Hornets when the Hornets started to try on defense, got tricky. And, and so, yeah, I I'm open to both of those. The Turner one, I, I think, is like a pretty big swing and really does sort of test the makeup of the team going forward and sort of how they're going to align things and what they're going to prioritize. But, you know, maybe it's worth making to get good players in. If you can get good players in in exchange for Goran Dragic in a first-round pick, which, you know my opinion on first-round picks, they're garbage. Throw them away. They're like Monopoly money. Go, just trade them for good stuff. Get, 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 get real adults who can play basketball in the door. It's fascinating stuff, man. We'll be covering it all the way through the rest of the week, of course. Do you have anything that you would like to add on top of this trade conversation before we wrap this one up, Big V? Um, yeah, I mean, just shameful on your part to talk about outside shooting and not mention Precious's uh, corner three-point shooting. You're uh, damn right. He's getting <laughs> guarded out there now. <laughs> uh, but no, I'm, I'm with you. I think uh, I think we, we could see something similar to, uh, what was it, 2017 when they yep. bring in P.J. Tucker and Serge Ibaka. Uh, mm -hmm. And P.J. Tucker was like a couple second rounders and and – Maybe Jared Sullinger. I can't. I can't remember right now. It was. Yeah, he was the matching ballast going back the other way. <laughs> right. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, I think getting two pieces, uh, maybe like that, would be really uh, what the Raptors are looking to do. And I think there's a market to get that done. So, mm -hmm. I'm pretty. I'm feeling pretty good about this deadline coming up. It's going to be a pretty intense next 48 hours coming up. Yeah, one thing to note about Gallinari, he makes a little bit more than Dragic, so they probably have to add in something else, uh, which I guess complicates matters. If you don't want to throw in Malachi Flynn and a first-round pick, for example, that could be tricky because they have to bring back a little bit less money because of the tax considerations, etc. Uh, but he does kind of have the Eric Gordon thing where he'd be around next year. Yes, he's a little bit older, and if you ride it out with him through a year and a half, great, you get two playoff runs with Danilo Gallinari. If not, you can always flip him at the deadline next year too as an expiring contract if things aren't working out. So, um, yeah, lots of 
palace intrigue going on with the Raptors this week. We'll keep it, uh, keep you updated on all of it. Lots of games, too. They still play like three times between now and Friday as well. So we'll break down those games later this week. Uh, but b- before we wrap up here, Vivek, anything you want to plug for the good people out there? Usual stuff, raptors.com, CBC Sports, Complex Canada. Um, yeah, I kind of did something on the Raptors' win streak and uh, them sort of feeling themselves now. Uh, mm-hmm. And you can go check that out at raptors.com. Everybody, go check it out. You can find me, of course, at Woodley Sean on Twitter. Uh, later in this week, we got a couple of interesting episodes. Yasmin Dewal is going to join right at the buzzer on the deadline day on Thursday. We're going to break down everything that goes down. Yasmin happens to just be like our big event correspondent now. She was on after they drafted Scotty Barnes. She'll be on on deadline day. We love Yasmin here on Locked on Raptors. Also, we've got a pretty big guest lined up, I think, for tomorrow. It's not 100% in stone just yet, so I don't want to ruin it and potentially have myself holding the bag like I did like uh, five years ago when I said Doug Christie's coming on the podcast and then Doug Christie had to cancel and he didn't come on until a year later. But I had been promoting it all week long that Doug Christie was coming on. So I'm not going to make that mistake again, but there could be a very big guest tomorrow on the show. So keep an eye out for that. Um, a person who recently wrote a big thing about a certain Toronto Raptor. I'll just leave it at that. Um, and then, of course, we've got game recaps. We've got a deadline and everything like that to get into over the course of the rest of the week as well. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for making us your first listen of the day. Go make your second listen of the day. Locked on bets as the Super Bowl is coming up this weekend. Your boy Q and Lee Sterling have you covered on all of the lines and props going into the game. Plus, there's another show you can check out, which is Olympic Hockey Daily, which is a daily look at the Olympic hockey tournaments going on over in Beijing. You've got Rachel Donner and Ann Kimmel from Locked On Flyers and Locked On Predators, respectively, doing a wonderful job on that show. And you've got Erica Ayala contributing as well. She's in Beijing covering the game. So got people on the ground covering hockey. Go check it out. Canada beat USA last night in a just delicious game. So go and check that show out as well. We'll be back again tomorrow with another episode of Locked on Raptors. Bye-bye. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.